Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in. If you are tuning in for the first time and you want to be a part of our live audience, you can catch us Monday through Friday, simultaneously streaming to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. I want to welcome all of our viewers, all of our moderators. Thank you so much for the amazing work that you do every night for us here. Uh, Colette is joining us all the way from England on Facebook, where it's very late into tomorrow or early into tomorrow morning. Want to welcome Lisa Wilhelm, who's also joining us. Sherry Sherry's just joining us on Instagram. Uh, Black Perry, Black Perito is giving us a thumbs up on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. We have a lot to talk about tonight. I hope you guys got a chance to watch our interview on Monday with Max Toplin, the star of the new movie, The Toll. It was a great interview. Uh, If you missed it and you want to watch that, along with any of our prior episodes or interviews, just head on over to any one of those streaming services, YouTube, look us up, Dead Talk Live, and you can watch any and all of our episodes. Also go to our website again, deadtalklive.com. You can see all of our upcoming guests. And speaking of upcoming guests, I have a slate of guests to announce for next week. And let me open the site because I don't want to screw this up. All right. So on Monday, we are getting Greg Brick from Bloodthirsty and Saw 5. And then Tuesday, we are getting... Actor, writer, director, Michael Nader, a legend. And then Wednesday, we are getting William Brent Bell, writer, director, producer. So that's right. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week, we are going to have back-to-back-to-back special guest interviews of some really big names in the industry joining us right here on Dead Talk Live. You're not going to want to miss them. They're going to be awesome as always. So please make sure to tune in for those. Again, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, back-to-back-to-back interviews right here on Dead Talk Live. Want to welcome CC Wheezy, who's with us on YouTube. Zoe is with us saying, missed the show yesterday. You didn't miss anything, Zoe, because yesterday we did not have a show. I did not do a show yesterday because I was having my breaker box, my fuse box, changed in my home. And they said they would be done by mid-afternoon. And I wasn't going to risk it because I know things normally don't go according to plan. So I did not schedule a show uh, for yesterday. But credit where, give credit where credit is due. Those guys were done two hours earlier than the estimated end time and they did a fantastic job and i have an up-to-date electrical fuse box in my house yes the one that i had from the 1970s is gone (laughs) want to welcome bella paw uh delhi just joined us on instagram ciara chelsea is also here with us uh welcome to all you guys uh so let's get right to it fear the walking dead Where the hell do we begin with this past Sunday's episode of Fear the Walking Dead? First and foremost, hands down, up to date, 
the best episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, a very close second is the season premiere of season six that we got back in October of Fear the Walking Dead. But this episode that just ended, bar none, just, I mean, from start to end, just edge of your seat type of episode. Great job by the entire cast, crew, tip my hat to all of them. This episode was directed by the wonderful Michael Satrazimus. He also directed the episode before uh, this week's episode. Uh, remember, guys, the episode that we got uh, this past Sunday was supposed to be the mid-season premiere. But because of COVID, we got the mid-season uh, finale and the premiere a week apart. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Uh, and as we read from as we read from an interview last week from the showrunners, uh, from uh, Ian and uh, and all of them, basically they said that uh, they had episode eight, which was supposed to be the mid-season finale all wrapped up except for the last few moments where John Dory washes ashore as a zombie. They did have enough footage to actually put out eight episodes before they went into their mid-season break, but they decided that that scene with John Dory washing up on the shore was too important. I agree with them. So when they started shooting again, they brought everybody back to properly finish off that episode and thus the what was supposed to be the finale ended up being the premiere and what was supposed to be the premiere was the second episode next to the premiere so i know it's a little bit of it's a little bit confusing but uh let's see you guys are saying leah stone yep so true i can't believe what i've seen on fear the walking dead and for people that uh, have been watching Fear the Walking Dead, like myself, from the very beginning. And we've had to go, you know, through a lot of ups and downs. Man, has that show hit its stride this season. It has absolutely hit its stride. We were introduced to a whole bunch of new characters. And the new, they, they cleaned house uh, in season four. They gave us a whole bunch of new characters, including Morgan transferring over from The Walking Dead to Fear, uh, new showrunners, new producers, new everything. And it was a nice buildup. We got to meet those characters and they gave us two seasons to really become attached to them, to bring us to the point of where we are now, where it's just absolutely gripping. So where do we begin? Let's start from the beginning of the episode. We end up exactly where season five ended, at the Gulch. And I know a lot of you guys called it last week uh, when we were getting little spoiler hints as to where uh, they were telling us this episode was going to start. A lot of people said the Gulch, so you guys got it right. Good job. I loved how they, from the beginning of the episode, how they started it, how they framed how the episode was going to go. They're all back at the Gulch, and as a tribute to the mother show, The Walking Dead, and the whole Negan storyline, I loved how 
Virginia had everybody get on their knees. Instead of a baseball bat, she had a gun. But it was very, very reminiscent to how we got to meet Negan on The Walking Dead. I loved it. Uh, it was just, you know, enough similarities, but also a lot of differences to make it its own. So I thought it was a perfect balance. Uh, I noticed that right away. So they did a great job. Now, uh, Virginia, for a while now, uh, she has been trying to play this badass attitude. I'm in control of everything. Everybody does what I say. Everybody's afraid of me. But, and this is just uh, another hats off to Colby Minifee, who plays Virginia on what's a, what an amazing wife, uh, sorry, what an amazing uh, actress she is and to bring in Virginia to life. And she had that scared look, even though she was talking the talk, you could see it in her face that she was afraid. She was afraid that there was a big threat out there and she did not know what it was. Uh, for this episode, it was the, uh, the threat was from within her own camp. And we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, we're going to get to uh, the character of Strand. Because in my opinion, Strand's character in this episode was one of the most fascinating aspects of this show uh, this last week. So before we know it, Virginia is going down the line. Again, reminiscent to Negan. Uh, talking to Morgan. Morgan is not responding back on the radio. She knows it's him. She knows he's listening. I'm going to shoot this person. I'm going to shoot Grace. And lo and behold, just before she is supposedly about to kill Grace, Morgan shows up in person. Surprised the hell out of me. I was not expecting it to play out that way. Uh, but he shows up in person. Dakota is nowhere to be found. We don't know what he did with her. We know that she's still alive. Uh, and she's probably going to be alive for some time to come. But he shows up and he basically tells her, listen, it's over. You've lost. And she's like, what are you talking about? Okay. I just see one of you and, you know, you're way outnumbered here. So, again, she's saying all this stuff with that scared look in her face. Because even though she's pushing back against Morgan, deep down inside, she, he, she knows that he's absolutely correct. Her time is up. She knows it. She feels it. It's up. It's over. And uh, when she commands Strand to start taking out the people on their knees, that's when we see Strand and what Strand has been planning, planning uh, at least primarily planning up until that point. He tells Virginia, you told me to build an army, and I did. But to Virginia's surprise, he built an army against her. Now, we all were wrong. Uh, even the, the characters, they fully believed that Strand had turned to the dark side, fully devoted to Virginia. Uh, there were, you know, uh, everybody was trying to talk to him, say, Strand, don't do this, don't do this. 
But we got a strand that I don't think uh, really anybody or not a lot of people saw coming. Now, we all know from Strand, since he's been on this show since season one, Strand loves power. He is a manipulator. Yeah, we know that he has a good side, and we saw that in seasons four and five. He was a part of the family. But deep down inside, the core of a person just does not change. And Strand, when Virginia came around, we got to see, you know, the old Strand come, came, you know, coming back. And I know a lot of us applauded that because a lot of us did not like the new Strand. It was kind of boring, to be honest. The new, you know, let's go out and save everybody Strand. It's not who he is. When Virginia came into the picture, we really got to see Strand go back to his old ways. Now, when it comes to Strand and we finally get to see what he's been up to, it's neither, oh, you know, what we thought, A, he did join Virginia and he's fully devoted to her. First of all, that's not really in Strand's character. He doesn't like to be under anybody's uh, thumb. Uh, but he also did not go running back to his old group with open arms saying, oh, guys, I was just playing her. I built an army. I won the war for us. It's over. We can go to the place that Morgan has been building and live our lives happily ever after. No, 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 no. Strand knew that Virginia's time was coming to an end. He knew that. He was building an army against her to take her down. But he was also planning to be the one to fill the vacuum that Virginia was going to leave behind. That is what his goal was. That is what it is now. And I'm going to forward to the end of the episode when uh, he's talking to Alicia. He is not coming in. He's not coming in. He's not joining the group uh, with Morgan and the rest of them. He is, you know, going to go out there. And he told Alicia that there is still a bigger threat out there. We as the viewers know this as well. And we still have no idea who this threat is. We know they are the spray can, spray can people. But we have no idea what their motives are what that damn key is, even though it wasn't mentioned at all, and it hasn't been mentioned at all since the first couple of episodes of this season. The spray can people, who's in charge of them? What are their motivations? Uh, is it the CRM that Strand sees coming? I don't think so. I don't think it has anything to do with the CRM. I think it's those spray can people uh, Virginia was afraid uh, of the helicopter people, which are the CRM, and she also knew of the spray can people, but she didn't know if they were part of the same group uh, or two different factions. We know they are two different factions. Those spray can people have absolutely nothing to do with the CRM, but I'm not even in a position to even guess as to what their motivations are or any of that. Uh, so anyway, uh, once 
Strand leaves at the end of the episode and he's begging Alicia to come with him and she doesn't follow, you know, he knows there's a bigger threat out there. Uh, I would have loved for him, for her to join him. Maybe she does down the line. Uh, she didn't exactly really turn her back on him either, but he did right off in the sunset to face that threat. We see what's going on with Sherry. Sherry in this episode finally realized that killing Virginia is not going to make her feel better. Uh, that in her mind, and we saw this when Virginia and Sherry came face to face, Virginia said, I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. So it's Sherry using Virginia as a surrogate to what Negan did to her. She is still really emotionally messed up by what Negan did to her and to Dwight. And at the end of the episode, when Sherry and Dwight are talking, saying, I can't come back to you. I don't feel it's where I belong. I belong with these people. And uh, she goes off with them. And Dwight, at this point, he realizes that no matter what he says to Sherry, he is not going to convince her otherwise. Yeah, of course Dwight wants his wife back. He wants her to come uh, into that new community and they can be happy together. But he also realizes Dwight has been able to let Negan go. Sherry has not been able to let Negan go. And uh, he realizes that he needs to let her go and find her own way, hopefully back to Dwight. That's all he can do at the moment. She is really messed up. Uh, I'm not aware if her people are aware of the threat that Strand knows is out there. Somehow, in uh, behind the scenes, Strand has been working with Sherry's people. That's how they were able to take down Virginia. That is something that we did not get to see on screen. We had no idea that Strand uh, was working with Sherry and the masked people to ultimately, you know, take down Virginia. And to come to another point, that I thought that really surprised me. I knew that, well, I didn't know, but I had pretty much guessed that Virginia was not going to survive past this season. I know a lot of you thought that she was going to be the equivalent of Negan on Fear the Walking Dead. I did not think that. Uh, They're not the same. They're not the same at all. Uh, I did not believe for a second that she was going to make it into season seven, but I was completely shocked that she was killed in the mid season. And we're going to get to June in a little bit because this episode is really at the core about how John Dory's death was a character pivot moment for June. The old June is dead. Okay. What's left for us to find out now as fans of the show is this new June. How cold-blooded is this new June? Because make no mistake about it, June blames herself for John's death. John was begging her to go with him. 
he told her, I'm not going to last long if I stay around Virginia. She wasn't listening to him. You know, she, you know, was listening to Virginia and the promises of Virginia building her a hospital and was totally ignoring her husband. And we saw John just leave on his own and go off to his cabin and he was very close to committing suicide. Well, unfortunately, he got killed by the end of the episode anyways, but she blames herself. And that is the pivot moment. She blames herself. Yeah, she did end up killing Virginia at the end, which was just flat out awesome. Uh, the last two minutes of this episode were great. I love the irony that it was June that uh, patched Virginia up, removed the bullet from her shoulder. Uh, she was going to make a recovery only for June to turn around and blow her head off. You know, it just leaves you to question, is that what she was, was is that what she was planning to do while she was operating on uh, Virginia getting that bullet out? She's like, "No, I want I don't want to kill her while she's passed out. I want her to be awake, uh, fully conscious, believing that she's going to survive, that we're giving her a way out of here with her daughter." not her sister we'll get to that as well and i want her i want her to see that it's me that kills her i don't think so i don't think that's what happened i really believe that june while she was operating on virginia did not have it all planned out all right she's very screwed up she's still trying to you know comprehend the fact that john dory is dead her husband is dead she just had to bury him. Um, and she's just in denial and shock. And when they're left alone in that uh, chapel and Virginia, you know, says, oh, I got to thank you again. You know, this is the second time you saved my life. Uh, and that's another reason why June blames herself for John's death. If June would have let her die when the oil fields went down, John would probably still be alive. He would actually most definitely be alive. Uh, so she is bearing a lot of guilt. And I don't know if she is ever going to be able to let that guilt go. So I don't think it was premeditated for her to save her life just so she can be awake and conscious for her to turn around and kill her. I think it was a last minute decision. Uh, you know, what Virginia said to her just triggered her and it did not, she did not need much of a trigger. Let me, let, I think we can all agree on that. And she pulled out John's gun and flat out blew her head off. Uh, amazing. I did not see that coming. I did not see Virginia's time on the show coming to an end by the mid-season. And the way they ended that episode, again, hats off to Michael Satrazimus. Again, amazing job that he did on this episode and the prior episode. Uh, the way he ended it with her putting on John Dory's hat, very reminiscent to Carl Grimes 
wearing his dad's hat for the majority of The Walking Dead. Her putting on John's hat, blood on her face, walking out of that chapel and walking away from everyone. Morgan coming June. What happened? Uh, Then Morgan realizing what happened and it just fades out as June is walking away. That's a great way to finish that episode. Uh, Let me see what you guys are saying. Uh, Leah Stone on Facebook writes, because Virginia knew how crazy her daughter was. I don't think Dakota is crazy. I really don't think Dakota is crazy. I think Dakota is a product of being really messed up by what Virginia did. And, well, now we know that it's not her sister. Like I said at the beginning of of this episode, it always bothered me, the relationship, when it came to those two sharing screen time together, on how Virginia treated Dakota. It wasn't in a sisterly, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it. It was a lot deeper than that. But... You know, Dakota being Virginia's uh, daughter really never crossed my mind. And again, it was probably because of the age thing. And Virginia addressed that. She had Dakota when she was very young. And we also found out that Virginia is a product of abuse. We didn't get a lot of details about that. But when Virginia and Dakota are in the chapel and Virginia finally comes clean to Dakota that I'm your mother. I wanted to protect you from what happened to me. I wanted to protect you from your grandparents. Uh, We know that uh, Dakota witnessed Virginia killing her parents. And even though it's not uh, explicitly said, uh, it's implied that Virginia killed her parents it could have been I even before the zombie apocalypse ever broke out. Uh, we don't know. It could have been as the zombie apocalypse was starting to break out. And Virginia took the opportunity to kill her parents because they were no good. Virginia was a product of some kind of abuse. Physical, mental, sexual. We don't know. But she did not want her daughter, Dakota to have to experience uh, growing up the way that Virginia did. And that's what she was trying to explain to Dakota when Dakota confronted her when she said, you killed our parents. Um, Let's see, Leah also writes, Virginia turned her daughter into her. Yep, and we also see that at the very end, just before June shoots her, When June again asks her the question of why did Dakota kill John, and June says to her, I think you do know why, you know? And then uh, Virginia doesn't deny anything. She's like, wouldn't you do anything to save your daughter? And June's response to that is, my daughter wasn't a killer. I wasn't trying to protect a killer just before she shot her. And she's right. And we also heard the story again about how June lost her daughter trying to protect her. And uh, didn't, you know, she ended up, her, she lost her daughter anyways. 
a lot of a lot of twists right here. Uh, let's see. Khaleesi writes, uh, "Badass June is born." Absolutely, and I am just excited as hell to see how the writers, producers, and directors are going to go about not only for the rest of this season, but for the rest of uh, June's time on this show. June has always been a fascinating character. You know, she came on the show as Naomi, and then I believe it was Laura. Finally, we got her real name. It was June. We know that she ran away from any kind of place that tried to take her in. She didn't want to be with a group of people. She has been and is still going through a major character arc. And I would say losing her husband, John, is even though, you know, we didn't get to see except through some flashbacks what happened between June and her daughter. Uh, what happened to John is right up there with the same thing that happened uh, with her daughter. Uh, this is a cold-hearted June. Now, to do a comparison to The Walking Dead mother show, we all know and have seen the arc that Carol went through since the very beginning to be the Carol that she is now. It was very slow, deliberate, and it took its time. Uh, with June, this is very abrupt, okay? June was living in La La Fantasyland, uh, which is why John left. And John dying is what needed to happen to snap her back into reality. And just the guilt that, you know, June is feeling. And again... Hats off to Jenna Elfman. What an amazing... All the actors. Jenna, Alicia, Lenny, Coleman. They all did a fantastic job. Uh, Christine Evangelista. Everybody. Uh, everybody. Everybody did, was absolutely phenomenal. Maggie Grace. Everybody was just... Uh, the writing, directing, the acting was just completely spot on. Uh, Leah writes she was uh, repeating on what she was seeing. I mean, you're right. After Virginia killed uh, her parents, and who Dakota thought were her parents, who was the only role model that Dakota had? You know, and we saw that in the episode last, the previous one, when her and John were talking, and we got a real glimpse as to how Dakota saw death. Death is as natural as breathing. So he died. It's a part of life. That's the world we live in. And John was trying to explain to her that if death doesn't matter, then what does life matter? She just didn't quite get it. Uh, Colette on Facebook writes uh, another Maggie in regards to June. Khaleesi writes, Jenna nailed it. That walk and to put off the hat. There's a new sheriff in town. Absolutely. Uh, welcome to all the new Instagram folks who have joined us. So let's see. I, I did take down some notes because there was just so much to cover uh, with uh, this episode. And the irony, okay, going back to the beginning and that shootout. Everything happened so quickly. I mean, Morgan shows up. Before you know it, they're in the middle of a shootout. And I think if uh, 
Virginia's men did not get away with Daniel and Grace, when Morgan caught up to Virginia, he would have killed her. No doubt about it. He would have killed her. The only reason he spared her is because she he knew that her men, her last few loyal men, have Daniel and Grace. And we all know how... Uh, how uh, Lenny James is uh, Morgan feels about Grace. He's in love with her. Uh, so he kept her alive. And then all of a sudden you see the group turn on Morgan and Virginia. They had no regard for Morgan. They were trying to shoot them as they were driving the way. Anyway, they do get away. And then it's left between, there's a lot of great scenes between Lenny James and Colby uh, Minifee. Virginia and Morgan. We finally get to see Virginia tell uh, Morgan the truth. Uh, Morgan explained to her that the only reason she's still alive is because her people have Daniel and Grace. Powerful scene. How everybody just turned on those two. Uh, yeah, they were gunning for Virginia. They did not want to kill Morgan, but they just had it out so much for Virginia that if Morgan went down, so be it. So be it. And that's when uh, Sherry came face to face with Virginia. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. And then at the end, uh, Morgan does bring her back to his new sanctuary. Pardon the pun. No intent there with uh, relation to Negan's sanctuary. But he brings Morgan does bring her back to the new place that he's building. Uh, Virginia is very impressed uh, to what he has accomplished. So she knows her time is up. She knows she's done. She has nobody that's really loyal to her anymore. So she makes a deal with Morgan. Uh, the people outside those walls are not gonna stop until I'm dead. But she goes to Morgan. They don't just wanna stick the knife in. They want to stick the knife in and twist it. So she basically agrees to sacrifice her life, but it would have to be Morgan that does it. And the way they set that up when, the, when everybody goes out of the gates, you have all the other people on the high ground gunning for Virginia. Morgan steps out with her and he couldn't do it. He couldn't kill her. Uh, not a big surprise. If uh, the situation had changed, the time that those two had spent together in the woods, uh, going to his sanctuary, and he got to learn a lot about Virginia and how she was doing what she was doing because she thought it was the best thing to protect, to protect her daughter, uh, he couldn't kill her. He couldn't kill her. Uh, so the surprising things that, you know, we're kind of a little bit off, no big deal, but um, how quick the group, uh, the masked people, Strand and company really accepted Morgan's decision to let her live. Uh, you know, considering how they were just, were so tunnel vision on killing Virginia, they were really quick to, you know, let Morgan uh, to follow Morgan and let her live. Uh, and then after she was uh, patched up by June, the plan that Morgan uh, lays out to her, 
where he will he will allow her to take her daughter Dakota uh, and just be exiled, leave and never come back again. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. Uh, right then and there, I'm like, no, no, that's just not gonna happen. First of all, Dakota is a fascinating character. I could accept the fact at that point that Virginia's time on the show might be coming to an end, but we're not going to lose Dakota as well. So I knew at that point something was going to happen. Now, I did not see what did happen, you know, the way it happened. Uh, that's not how, you know, anything that crossed my mind. That's what makes it so great. But uh, yeah, Morgan just letting them go. I don't know why he would do that, especially since Morgan knows and saw what Rick did to Negan and imprisoned him. I mean, they have that chapel. They could have kept them both locked up in there. Virginia, you know, a life sentence, chained away, locked up, paying for what she did and uh, how she ruled over everybody. Dakota maybe treated a little differently. I don't know. But his decision to just let them go and him even giving them a path on how uh, for her to avoid the pioneers that are gunning for her. Nah, I wasn't. That was not going to happen. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I knew Morgan wouldn't do it. She is Dakota's mom. Cece writes, that was such a great scene. Uh, also, yep, Jenna nailed it, that walk. Uh, so that's basically it in a nutshell. And uh, an amazing episode. I'm excited to see what's yet to come. And, you know, if you listen to what the producers say, this season is just going to progressively keep getting better. I didn't see how much better it could have gotten after the season premiere of season six, but episode nine surpassed episode one. Uh, so it is going to continue to get better. And I'm very, very excited to see what they have in store for us for the end of this season. How are they going to end season six? I have no idea right now. Are we going to have to wait to the finale to see who the new antagonist is. And I have a feeling deep down inside that whoever is leading the spray can people is going to make Virginia look like Mary Poppins. That's just a guess. So let's go to some reviews. Let's see what the, uh, the, the news outlets have to say about this episode. Fear the Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 9 Review. This is from Den of Geeks. Den of Geek, sorry. If there's one thing Fear the Walking Dead understands about existing in a zombie apocalypse is that living is hard. Every week, our grizzled cast of characters must contend with the inevitable attrition within their ranks. As we learned last week with poor John Dory... It's not a matter of if you'll die, but when you will die. Sometimes our hapless survivors see death coming, but more often than not, it's an ugly surprise, meted by the living. That brings us to Things Left to Do, which was the title of this last episode. 
and an unexpected end, early end, to Virginia's reign, which is a shame, really. Once Colby Menifee delivers a truly knockout final performance, but more on Virginia in a bit. Originally intended as the season six mid-season premiere, Things Left to Do is a busy episode with, with lots of competing factions and changes of heart and reunions and partings. Morgan is at the center of the action, and of course, and Lenny James works his usual magic with the kind of complex moral dilemmas that have long been fears, bread, and butter. If you tuned in this week to see Walker's Dispatched in Mass, you may be a bit disappointed in this episode's one biter. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you are more interested in watching favorite characters grapple with each other and themselves, congratulations, this is your week. One benefit of a large ensemble cast is that it often allows for unexpected pairings. We saw that earlier this season in Alaska with Maggie Grace and Austin Emilio's Al and Dwight. The same can be said for the unlikely duo of Morgan and Virginia. The two find themselves on the run from Lawton after Strand orchestrates a violent coup. As if being pursued by her own rangers isn't harrowing enough, the masked outcasts join the hunt. Both groups seek justice for Virginia's many wrongs, but Morgan needs her alive just long enough to free Grace and Daniel. This doesn't sit well with Sherry, who has Virginia in her sights. Morgan turns on Sherry, convinced that his is the true way to achieve real justice. He's been wrong before, as Sherry conveniently points out, and she's not wrong. Time and again, Morgan has proven himself to be the group's moral compass, only for his forgiving nature to backfire with devastating consequences. While Morgan's protecting, sorry, while Morgan's protecting Virginia may stretch credibility a bit, at least it's results in some interesting moments. After all, these two may be on opposing sides in theory, but the cold reality is that now they're more alike than Morgan would care to admit. Both have done unspeakable things in the name of keeping loved ones safe. But whereas Virginia has demonstrated a remarkable capacity for carpentalizing, I can't speak today, these dark deeds, Morgan has tired of, is tired of getting his hands dirty. Their differences will come to a head later. But in the meantime, Morgan becomes an unlikely confidant for his oppressor. Which brings us to a significant plot twist about Virginia actually being Dakota's mother. Minifee shines in this moment, making Virginia's heartbreak and vulnerability so believable. Like Morgan, she is a person driven by her demons. Unlike Morgan, though, her inability to overcome her demons has resulted in a lot of, a lot of bad blood. Spilled blood, too. As Virginia tells it, Lawton and its draconian rules exist purely 
to keep Dakota safe. This is quite ironic considering her own daughter wants her dead. It's this bitter truth that causes the scales to fall from Virginia's eyes. Her best intentions drove away the one person she most loved in the world. On paper, this is an important moment of clarity and purpose. Finally, Virginia resolves to tell the Dakota the truth. But fear can't have it both ways regarding their big bad. Are we meant to root for her or against her? Our various factions are likewise confused about her fate. Lots of people want her dead, including Virginia herself. She'd rather die than tell Dakota the truth. But then lots of people suddenly want Virginia to live, including Virginia herself. I agree with Morgan's impassioned argument that a new, more peaceful world can't be built upon the foundation of violence. Indeed, Morgan's would-be execution of Virginia offers a compelling philosophical dilemma faced by those who claim to abhor tyranny. Lenny James certainly sells this moment. Morgan is an important is at an important crossroads for himself and for the settlement. To me, in this scene, he becomes a true leader. His mission to spread goodwill and bottled water was really more about helping others, not leadership per se. Planting his axe in the ground is a fitting moment to what the settlement can become. Morgan's not a pacifist, he's a humanist. June, though, not so much. It's puzzling that there's very little reaction to John's death. Only June and Morgan acknowledge his absence in any meaningful way. Of course, had June not saved Virginia in this season's damage from inside, or not chosen to work at the Lawton's new hospital, one could argue John might still be alive. And I'll definitely be one of those people to argue that point. Perhaps June herself knows this, which is why she is such a ruthless executioner. In any case, now that Virginia is gone, and with the location of Morgan's secret settlement revealed, It feels like this season has lost a bit of urgency. Plus, anyone who has watched Fear or The Walking Dead long enough understands any utopia is short-lived. That is the truth. As I've said in my review of this season's Honey, there's a recursive nature to the show like Fear that drains a bit of the drama and fun from new storylines. An important lesson, like killing humans is bad, is learned and then unlearned. Couples like Dwight and Sherry are reunited, then driven apart. People like Strand evolve to become more selfless, only to fall back into self-serving ways. Like I said earlier, selfless Strand is just boring. You know, Selfish Strand is a fascinating character. And some people like Alicia are stuck in a holding pattern, learning nothing new at all and no longer being given a chance to progress as a character. 
They have a point on that. Alicia really did not play any kind of a major role in this episode. Or she wasn't even in the prior episode as well. That's kind of surprising. Alicia is a frontline character. But for the last two episodes at least, she's sort of taken a back seat. Now this is something fear has in common with its characters. This inability to progress. In order to evolve, the series needs to evolve beyond safe, time-tested tropes. Only in the way, only in that way, can fear follow in Morgan's footsteps to become a better version of itself. So there you guys have. That's one review. Uh, CC writes, "I like when Virginia told Morgan we're the same. It reminded me of when Morgan." told Jesus the same. We are the same talking about the saviors. That's true. Welcome to Landa McCabe, who's just joined us on, I'm sorry, Facebook. Uh, We're almost getting close to our time here, but there is another review. Uh, There's been a lot of reviews. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 9. Of course, titled Things Left to Do. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead is staging the ultimate return to form. I think it's gone well beyond uh, form. If you ask me right now, Fear the Walking Dead is a better show than The Walking Dead. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of pushback by saying that, but I think it's true. Right now, for right now, Fear the Walking Dead at its current state compared to The Walking Dead Fear is a lot more fascinating than The Walking Dead. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 9, was all about the aftermath of John's untimely death, Virginia's downfall, and the complicated dynamics of the different groups who wanted her dead. Jenna Elfman played every single beat of June's pain to perfection, and my appreciation only continued to grow as June realized all of this could have been avoided had she let Virginia die. Losing John gave the narrative a hard shift in the right direction. Taking risks is needed to reap some big rewards. And while it sucks because John was so likable, it has helped the show considerably. Uh, June was never going to be able to put the past behind her, not after everything that's happened at the hands of Virginia. Virginia had the keys to the kingdom, but she made too many bad decisions, uh, chanting that people needed to abide by the rules, even if she didn't know what that meant, was her ultimate undoing. So, one thing I always loved about Virginia was how she led people to believe she was uh, showing great transparency behind all of her decisions. So, for all of her people to learn she has been lying, it was a bit much for them to swallow. And it definitely helped Strand in staging that coup. Virginia has been hiding uh, her secrets and sins in the past. And it all caught up with her in an epic fashion. The revelation that Virginia was Dakota's mother was a bit too soap opera for my taste. 
but after a rewatch, it helped me understand the lengths Virginia would go to keep her safe. And any parent out there just absolutely gets that aspect. The unfortunate aspect is that maybe Virginia and Dakota could have had more of a relationship had Dakota shown uh, that she was her mother. And I think that meant to say Virginia. So what they're trying to say is those two actually maybe had a chance at a relationship if Virginia did not just keep it a secret. Uh, and it is kind of a mystery. After Virginia killed her parents, uh, why didn't she at some point tell Dakota the truth? I don't, you know, you know, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons why, but there's also a lot of arguments to go with. Tell her the truth. You know, your parents are dead. She witnessed you killing them. Tell her why you had to kill your parents was to keep you safe. Amazingly, one small decision can have such a cataclysmic effect on the rest of your life. Virginia will go down as one of the best villains in the franchise because she was so multi-layered from the get-go. She wasn't a two-dimensional villain who had a knack for killing everyone that got in her way. Now, Negan... Uh, in contrast, when he was the bad guy, he was sort of two-dimensional, you know? We didn't really get to find out anything about him. It wasn't after he was, he lost the war, he was in prison, the time jump, that we really got to find out what the real Negan was like. Morgan said, we all had a talk and we're going to let you do what you have, what you have to, sorry, what you have to do before you're going to take Dakota and leave. She doesn't need this place. She needs you. Alicia, but if either of you show your face again, Ginny, oh no, I get it. We're gone. She gave them options which contributed to her downfall. But Colby Minifee gave this character so much depth that I gasped when June pulled the trigger and killed her. A part of me would have liked Virginia to survive and pay for her sins with hard labor, but Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 is not messing around, and her death will be one of the most memorable in the history of the series. Even Morgan, who has had the most bizarre character arc in the franchise, that's an understatement, could not kill Virginia when it came down to it. If you watch Fear the Walking Dead online, he's been pro-murder in recent episodes, allowing him to break free from the shackles of the questionable writing for him. He was willing to murder Virginia to signal a power shift, but it all came crashing down when he realized that starting a new community or treaty with other factions did not need to start with bloodshed. And I think that's a good place to stop. So I really hope you guys uh, enjoyed, first off, this episode that we got this past Sunday of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, if that doesn't impress you, then I don't think anything the Walking Dead universe is going to impress you. 
And it also, it was a great example of what makes the Walking Dead universe so amazing. It's not about the zombies, guys. The zombies are just a backdrop. What makes this uh, universe so amazing are the characters. What happens to civilization, whatever civilization is left, what happens to humanity after the world around us falls apart? And this last week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead is an it's a classic example of what the Walking Dead universe is all about. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. It's been a privilege and an honor recapping this episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Please visit us at deadtalklive.com. Don't forget, we have three back-to-back-to-back interviews, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. Uh, You can see our entire guest list on our website. If you want to be a part of our live audience, we're on Monday through Friday, streaming simultaneously to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Go to any one of those five platforms and you can be a part of our live audience. Khaleesi writes, I totally agree with you, Viz. I want to thank all you guys from all the platforms for tuning in. Uh, Till tomorrow night, guys, stay safe and always stay walking. Good night. Mm